Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. You can remember your name. From the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. Coulter and I uh, have a handful of segments that we've sort of put our heads together, brainstormed, and quite a storm it is, <laughs> and sort of put on the docket to sort of get to as needed. Uh, we're very fortunate to be in a place where we can talk national level stuff and local stuff. You know, you kind of get the best of both worlds in that regard. And there's actually been quite a lot going on if when you combine the two of those things. But the NBA now has been out of commission for uh, the better part of two months. They were the first of the sporting events to go, no, we're done here. Uh, until further notice but they also may be the first of the sports to return uh, as our dear friend Carolyn who is an authority on this stuff said uh, maybe Disney World which again I mean I wouldn't that is a pretty good idea I mean if you could get them all into Orlando Florida there's plenty of housing you know right now and nothing's going on at Disney I'm sure Disney would appreciate having yep. 3,000 tenants in its hotels for, you know, several weeks. Yep. I don't know. It seems like there's something to that. But in any case, uh, we said, let's talk a little bit about the NBA as it pertains to the regular season, which we assume is over, and thus the postseason, we kind of know what the matchups are. So let's do that. By the way, if you missed anything in the first hour, check it out on the podcast. Two Tell Nuanas podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate that very much. It's out there. Thanks to Blackfoot. A couple precursor details. First of all, yeah. I think that there's several reasons why the NBA could return more quickly than almost any other sport. We talked about baseball the other day, and mm-hmm. baseball obviously has the, the... The game itself. The game itself is social distancing at its finest, mostly, besides when you're on base. But the NBA has a plan already, an initiative that they presented. This is from the Players' Union where it's a 25-day plan because all the superstars have said, hey, you know, we want to finish the season, yep. but 
we haven't been playing, we can't just straight go back to playing full games because people will just get hurt. So they have this incremental plan where they would practice in groups of threes for, I think, a week. Then they would practice in groups of sixes for another a week to 10 days, and then they would have full team practices. This is all the while being monitored for or likely even having tests or maybe even a vaccine. Who knows? I don't think that that's a, a real possibility yet, but it just seems as if because there's only 400 players in the NBA, you could have a little mini quarantine of these guys. Yeah, and I must say, I just want to kind of check myself on this because, mm-hmm. you know, when we talked about the baseball thing and, and, you know, baseball being the sport that maybe lends itself to the distancing thing, but that's true. But at the end of the day, you're just not playing sports until you're sure that everybody participating in the sport, regardless of what it is, is, you know, is healthy. And so if it's basketball, even though you're running up and down the court and sweating and, you know, pushing up against each other and all that kind of thing, it's it's sort of a non-point. Like, just because you're not doing that in baseball doesn't mean that, well, now we don't really need to test the baseball players or something like that. So I think there's sort of a latent presumption in there that's probably false on my part. And that's why I, I'm I'm thinking now more that, that basketball probably does have a better shot just because the sheer numbers are less. And ultimately, that's probably the biggest deal, regardless of what the sport actually entails to perform it. The other point worth making is that there's a lot of tongue-in-cheek, ha-ha, these superstars run these leagues. But in reality, the owners run the NFL. The owners run Major League Baseball. The players are, have the strongest presence in the NBA. The NBA Players Union is one of, if not the strongest unions, period, mm. in America. LeBron James is not the head of the Players Union, but he's the face of the NBA. There's been no more no more apt nickname than King James when it comes to this level of influence that LeBron James has attained when no it comes doubt. to the league. To, to, to almost everything. Like, if he right. says it... That's what I'm saying. It, it, it carries such gravitas. No, no doubt. And that's why I love this tweet. Yeah. Yesterday, King James, at 11.29 a.m., he tweeted, saw some reports about execs and agents wanting to cancel the season. That is absolutely not true. Nobody I know is saying anything like that. As soon as it's safe, we will like to finish our season. We plan to finish our season. I am ready. Our team is ready. Nobody is canceling anything. Yeah. You could talk about any other professional athlete tweeting something like that, and you could say, oh, it could be a little bit influential. To me, that's just like a straight-up statement it's, from it, the league. Yeah, it's, it, is, it, is, it is nearly a, uh, a demand. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it, it feels like it is, it's like a warrant. Or something, right? Where there's yeah. like you, you will abide by this. No question. Tweet. <laughs> no question. And not to go completely down the coronavirus rabbit hole, but I do think that one more thing that's worth stating is that we know a lot about this virus now. We also don't know a lot about this virus now. But I think one thing that we do know is who are the biggest populations that are at risk. And I think it's safe to say that uh, world class athletes between the ages of twenty and thirty five are among the least high risk. For this, that's one thing I would love to have a story on is we know that Donovan Mitchell and Ruby Gobert and Kevin Durant acquired this virus, but we have had no follow up for what it was like for them. Mm-hmm. Was it crazy? Was it serious or what? Or what? I would just right. love to know. But uh, I, to me, I'm assuming that it was probably, you know, a bout of a virus, but not something that was you know, any sort of life threatening or anything like sure. that. I mean, Donovan Mitchell is as as vibrant as it gets. I mean, he's in the absolute perfect health that you can be in as a 25-year-old elite all-NBA player. Right. So there's that element too. But so I, I think that 
I can almost guarantee you that the NBA is going to play in some form or fashion. What they're going to try to figure out is how to get their season, at least when it comes to the playoffs, finished. Because right now, you were saying maybe the regular season gets canceled. Who knows? But the proposal that I've seen that's most backed is getting the rest of the regular season, which would amount to 17 games, as well as the playoffs, done in 10 weeks. So you'd have to abbreviate some stuff. Maybe you do just eliminate those last 17 games. Who knows? But regardless, I think a lot of it, I think the Players Association would be hesitant to give up the 17 regular season games just because that's revenue, but also pay for the players. I think a lot of the people in the Players Association for the teams that aren't in the playoffs wouldn't want to give up because they would give up their game checks. You're basically forfeiting work. Right. So we'll see where that all falls. But regardless, I truly expect the NBA to to be back and to have a playoffs. I I think they will too. Honestly, I think the biggest issue, and this is why that the, 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 the Disney World thing appealed to me so much. The, I think that my understanding of this, you know, this this whole situation that we're in, it's obviously so very influenced by where you are. I mean, the the highest population centers where the, where you can't help but be with and on top of one another, and you're you know living in multiple thousand tenant buildings that are all operated by the same HVAC systems and duct, you know, and the whole thing. It's just such a different thing than, you know, in a place like Montana or whatever, which is why I think having it at one place, like, I just don't see how you can do, even with charter flights and all that, how you can do the travel and have each arena, you know, basically ready to go for games, even without fans in them going from coast to coast and everywhere in between all the time. So that's the thing that I that I hadn't really wrapped my head around, but obviously that's eliminated if everybody goes, okay, here's what's happening. We're all going to Orlando for the next two and a half months, okay? Get your pillows and blankies. Here we go. So, uh, you know, that, that, that makes sense to me. But I am with you. I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that, that, that there's going to be NBA basketball for this season – uh, coming, you know, this summer at some point. So, so let's break down this this playoff race okay. then, because I do think that there is some intriguing storylines that were going on before all of this. I think there's some intriguing matchups that would have played out in this NBA playoffs. Now, when I talked about, so tell this me how you did day, this the other day. So, when uh, I was on the side of the you, highway in the ditch, <laughs> you deliberately didn't listen to what I said. Now, do you, do you want to tell me what you think before I said, or do you want to? No, you, you tell me hear? what you said. Okay. Basically, in the East and the West, I took the top two seeds chalk just without much even discussion about it anyway, just because I think the Lakers and the Clippers are that good. And because in the West, who are the last two seeds? Orlando and, and Brooklyn. Brooklyn. They're like 30 and 30 and 36 or something. They're both well under 500. And, you know, as good as the Milwaukee Bucks, of course, have been, uh, you know, have been rolling. It is. I just don't think the two worst teams in the East are actually good teams. So I got I got one and two going chalk there. The other. Oh, let's hear it. Well, let's hear I, it. I, I hear I, the, I, I hear almost, the hesitation. I, I almost I think that the Bucks would would basically walk to the Eastern Conference Finals because I do think that I mean they would be they, they would sweep Orlando, yeah, because they Orlando has literally nothing for the Bucks, and I think that they would dismantle Miami too because the the formula that the Bucks are using right now the it's it's the Stan Van Gundy Dwight Howard Orlando Magic formula from about ten years ago 
except for the difference is they're playing four around one with their big guy, except for their big guy is not, can't dribble, can't shoot Dwight Howard. He's point forward, seven foot Giannis, and it's a whole different dynamic. It's one of the craziest styles that we've seen in the league, and that's I think they're getting robbed by not being able to put it on full display in the NBA playoffs because it's a game-changing style where you have big shooters around a giant point guard it's almost impossible to stop. But you think Toronto might be susceptible? I just think that Toronto versus Boston would be a, a really good series to well, get that's to. A, that's that's the next round, right? I mean, oh, you're talking about just the first round. I, 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 I thought we were talking about. Oh, I thought you meant chalk oh, all the sorry. way to the conference finals. No, 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 no. No, okay. Well, so I, I well let's let's just get all the way to the conference finals though. I think the only thing. Oh, that I would, didn't even get to the conference finals. Well, see, I think the only thing that would keep the the Raptors from playing the Bucks in the conference finals is the Celtics. Absolutely. I, I, well, here's, here's, let me ask you this, because this is one not hot take, very cold take by me, mm-hmm. but the 3-6 matchup in both the East and the West is just so intriguing to me because you have Boston, who, by the way, they've been injured throughout a good portion of the season and have achieved anyway, maybe even overachieved given the personnel they right. haven't had and would pr- pretty much be back in full force. But Philadelphia is... You know, probably the most disappointing team of any playoff team this season. No question. But this this whole stop is that something that jars something for the Philadelphia 76ers where, you know, not like quote unquote all of a sudden you figure it out, but like this time away you come back together and all of a sudden you start to realize some of that potential. I certainly pick Boston in the series, but I find it an interesting one because the talent is so huge on Philadelphia and and what the expectations are and does this break maybe help them and and somehow be a catalyst for the 76ers in that first round so I find that matchup to be pretty interesting the other side Denver and Houston Denver's been another really high achieving team to be the third seed in the west behind the two LA franchises I don't know if how many people picked the Nuggets to be that high I know people really like Denver and they are a very good team very well coached obviously by Mike Malone but that's that's an outstanding spot to be in. Houston has sort of underachieved as well by a lot of people's metrics, and yet it's Brian Westbrook and Russell Westbrook. Uh, Russell Westbrook, excuse me, and and James Harden. I mean, and you can't just sit here and go, well, you know, better enough, better luck next year. I think that becomes like a a, a big time matchup in the West in that three four spot or three six spot, excuse me. Honestly, the the Seventy Sixers and the Rockets both being the six seeds, you just and, hate them. And, just and, like, get them and, out of here. And and them struggling makes me so happy because mm. it's it's so affirming to me what I believe is such a a consistent tenet, no matter what generation of basketball you're talking about. I always say this, but more good players is not necessarily better if they don't fit together. Right. The Sixers tried to form this roster that is so unorthodox because you have a 6'10 guy playing point guard. You have a 6'9 guy in Tobias Harris playing the two. You got a stretch forward in Al Horford, who's 6'10, and then you're rolling with seven foot Joel Embiid. It, 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 it It was a good shot, but they don't they don't have the they can't move the way the modern NBA teams are and supposed to move. I completely agree with you. I mean, it's not even I mean, I don't even know if I should quote unquote agree. It's just almost objective fact what you're saying. I also though the one defense I have for them is the fact that Markel Fultz did not was just just completely nothing for them. Right. 
it, it crushed the 76ers in a lot of ways. Like, he would have been the guy that would have been all of the movement and that, you know, you can talk to me about, well, what's Ben Simmons who can't shoot a lick going to do if he doesn't have the ball in his hands? Okay, like, I get all of that. But he would have been sort of the puzzle piece to try and start making some of this fit, and it just never happened. And now he's in Orlando. So, you know, it's it, that's he actually had an water okay under the bridge. Yeah, he actually I mean, had an okay I, year. He's still, like 13 points a game. I still like Markel Fultz a lot. I think he's got great potential. But uh, you're right. I mean, it, it's you have to have it work to you. I mean, what, Team USA circa 2006 or something like that was just like all the best players who were willing to go, but there was no actual team building that happened. It was just like, well, let's take all the all-stars and we'll overwhelm everybody with talent. I don't remember if that was the year, by the way, but one of those years that sort of happened, and it just was a disaster for the – and that's to your point. Not that they weren't better than everybody that they played in a lot of ways, but you've got to – The pieces got to work. fit together. Yes, yes, yeah. The pieces got to fit together, and this is why I've been so high on the Lakers because okay. I think that Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh are Hall of Famers. But I think that Anthony Davis is a way better fit than any teammate LeBron James has ever had. I also think that the Clippers are so interesting because they kind of buck that statement where I said more players is not, are not necessarily better unless they fit together seamlessly. I think that what we've seen out of the Clippers so far this year is that, well, I, I, actually a couple of things. First of all, I think that Kawhi Leonard is the is the most malleable superstar. That's exactly what I was going to... I mean, they, they could do it because almost all their dudes are so versatile. They could do tons of They're stuff. So right? versatile. And the other reason is that Paul George had a career year last year in Oklahoma City. There's no question. Mm-hmm. But I think that just what Paul George is, is watching the last dance is so indicative of how important it is to know exactly what He's your the role best is. Robin in basketball. Exactly. Yes. And he, but he has to be that. And if Batman is Batman after drinking the Joker juice, like Russell Westbrook, he's a little bit crazy. I just don't think it works as well as when you have just this cold blooded guy like Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, Kawhi's Kawhi's better than, than Westbrook. I well, mean, of course. I mean, you know, at, like, this, I mean, at this exact moment, how do we not say that Kawhi Leonard is not the best player in the NBA? I mean, well, at this exact LeBron James, yeah. absolutely. But I'm, I'm just saying, like, yeah. in terms of the clout, I mean, Kawhi Leonard can flex on everybody. Yeah. He was just the finals MVP. Yeah. Yeah. For, for the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> I mean, come on. He won a <laughs> ring in Canada. Yeah. But uh, so, the, but I, I, the reason that the 76ers and the Rockets being bad makes me happy is because then the fact that the Celtics and the Nuggets and the Jazz teams like that that are constructed well, that maybe mm-hmm. don't have as the same top-level talent, mm-hmm. but they're better, that's what basketball is all about. Right. And I just but love that the NBA is gravitating the, towards but, it. But also, though, within that, mm-hmm. in order to stamp that, mm-hmm. the Nuggets got to beat the Rockets. You know what I mean? Right. In, in, in the playoffs, like all of a sudden, if your two superstars just go, you know, bonkers and, and they, you know... They roll and and you know Coach D'Antoni, you know takes takes it to another level, or whatever. Then all of a sudden everybody goes, well, yeah, see, it's talent that wins. So, but I agree with you, and it well, doesn't look but good. Also, I think that uh, Jokic and, and Jamal Murray both haven't attained superstar status yet for a lot of different reasons. That doesn't mean they're not an unbelievable player. I mean, Jokic is a top ten player. Don't get it twisted. I mean, Jokic is in, in a series against the Rockets. Jokic is not scared of James Harden and Russell Westbrook for a second. I mean, no, absolutely. He's, he's, he, I know that 
Porzingis is the unicorn, but but Jokic is the most unique player in the NBA. And 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 the superstardom and all that has so much to do with you know marketability and persona and this that and the other which i don't know if jokic is ever going to be you know i, I don't know anything about him so i guess that's the point right but but isn't the, that isn't but, that but, his greatest skill but within the nba there isn't a, there isn't one of the 29 other coaches that aren't going wow how great would it be to get that guy you know they they i mean the, everybody knows how good he is and what a complete game changer he is and that he's you know leading the nuggets to the to 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 the doorstep in the west one of the biggest criticisms that we always have for almost every single superstar of the nba of this modern generation is their volatility mentally right we, we're always criticizing whether it's james harden can't get over the hump russ westbrook can't get over the hump We've brought it even to the table with LeBron James at times during his career. You know, Kevin Durant before he went to the Warriors. I mean, it's always there, there, there. I don't know if Jokic is is good enough to ever be a multiple title winning centerpiece, but I do know this. I think he has a better playoff demeanor than anybody in the league right now, with the exception of maybe LeBron and Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, he's unflappable. He's unflappable. unflappable. Yep, absolutely. Two Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. All right, what else you got here, Colton? Well, so, okay, so... I think that you and I would agree that it would have been the Bucks versus the winner of the Celtics Raptors in the East, right? Yes, for, for the Eastern Conference. For the, yeah, sure. But I, I shouldn't say would have been, could be upcoming. Yes, as we hope. But let's talk about the West for a second. I mean, I think that the, the Lakers are cruising around one, the Clippers are cruising around one, right? The Nuggets versus the Rockets. You got the Nuggets there, probably. Okay, so then the most fascinating series then is the Jazz versus the Thunder yeah. in terms of competitive evenness. Yeah, I mean, it, it is both actually because it's the 4-5 matchup and probably in reality as well. Uh, you know what I'm going to pick here. I love Utah. You do? Oh. Because you love Jangles. I love Jangles. I love Donovan Mitchell. I like Rudy Gobert. I mean, I think they got the whole I, – I, I think they got a, at, to your point, a really well-constructed team. They do. I think that Donovan Mitchell – did the thing that a lot of guys do where he bursts onto the scene as a rookie and people are like, wow, how great is this guy? And then his sophomore season, he was still excellent, but didn't – now everybody knew about it yeah, that, and it, it didn't have the same effect. Totally, but there's also more to it because they just got so soured on Ricky Rubio not being able to make jump shots and they yeah. put Donovan Mitchell on the ball and that's not what he is. But they are uh, – I think they're still uh, – a lot to handle and I know you you I got to give it up to you and I actually said this the other day even when you weren't here it's easier to compliment you when you're not well in of the course room. I also I also heard you guys were just railing on me for my uh exploded engine so thanks for the sympathy well I mean it's not your fault your engine exploded but it is that was your burn street bistro burn of the week blown up I think engine. I accidentally hit the button well great timing so, because that was actually the best one yet <laughs> Thanks, Bird Street, to Coulter's blown-up car. <laughs> we'll, um, we'll call it good. The, uh, uh, but but you you told me OKC without Paul George yep. now and everybody else yep. still going to be better than everybody thinks, and everybody's you know written them off and this that and the other. I said they're not making the playoffs, and you were absolutely right. I and think I you owe me something. Wrong. We should go through the podcast because I believe now we, now just accept no, 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 the compliment we, we, here. You didn't know, get something we, out of me we, for crying in the night. Bet, we bet who was going to be better, the Thunder or the Pelicans, and I stood on the table for the Thunder, and I was right. Yeah, 
that may I don't, have been I'll, I'll tell you, I'll Zion tell you, I'll tell you something else. Playing basketball. I'll tell you something else that makes me really happy too. The fact that Chris Paul is getting to play the role Chris Paul should have been playing his whole career for the first time in six or seven years. Chris Paul got a wash in the Lob City thing, and I think it, it really skewed a lot of a, things about him. He's still incredibly productive, obviously, perennial All Star and everything. But then this last couple of years in Houston, he's had to play what's not hit. Chris Paul is one of the greatest true point guards in the history of basketball. Mm. If he can just be the dude, just be the absolute floor general, not have to default to James Harden, not have to, you know, sacrifice creating to throw Blake just Griffin make the lobs. Decisions. Just do what you Be the you, dude, be yeah. the quarterback. And yeah. I think that's why when you give him an honestly, when you give him a less talented roster, it's actually better because he can just be the dude that controls the tempo from start to finish. And that's what he's one of the greatest players in NBA history at. So it makes me very happy. The one question I would have, because I like the Jazz a lot too, and I think they are one of the most well-constructed rosters in the league. Mike Conley has been in this horrific shooting slump this entire year. Mm. And that's one thing in the NBA, as we know in the playoffs, when you got a weakness, what do teams do? They go all in on exploiting it. And that's why the Jazz lost in the playoffs last couple years, Mm -hmm. too. Ironic that they tried to upgrade the shooting at their point guard position by getting rid of Ricky Rubio and bringing in a a really good shooter, Mike Conley, and he hasn't been able to shoot the ball still. Maybe it's the arena. I don't know. Maybe it's the system. Maybe the rest of the NBA is going to come back down to earth after nobody's been shooting a basketball for the past month and a half. So so this is here nor there, though, right? Because regardless of who wins the Jazz or Thunder, they're still getting beat by the Lakers, right? I mean... The West, the only Clippers, the only Clippers s- Nuggets would be more interesting than people think. I think though, I agree. I mean, I would love watching the series. I love it, but there is nothing to talk about until the Western Conference Finals, unless it's a team not from Los Angeles in it, because it's just well, it, they're I, just that good. It feels like to me. Like, I, 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 don't I know totally, what you do. I totally agree. And the biggest weapon that the Clippers have is they have not one but two guys who can guard elite perimeter players, which almost everybody in the playoff field has. I think they got three guys. Well, they got Pat Bev too, right? Bev, no, 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 no question. But the question is in that in that Western Conference semifinal, if the seeds were to hold when the Clippers play the Nuggets, the one thing that the Clippers don't have is somebody to guard the Joker. Great center, yeah. I mean, it's true. I don't know, man. I don't know if anybody's got somebody to guard him because he's not just he's everything. He's an unbelievable passer. He manipulates the floor as well as any point guard I've ever seen. He right. does. He puts himself in a spot, rotates his body around. He's got, you know, the ball in his left hand. He pivots once, put it in his right hand, and it's 15 feet of space that he's changed without a dribble. You know, he, he, he's, he is orchestrating the whole thing. So it's not just about him getting in there and having great touch and great shooting savvy and and work around the rim and there's nobody really stop that but it's even if you have somebody to stop that it's just everybody else in motion around him I mean he's that good and I think he's just a completely huge problem for any team but at the end of the day I just think it's pretty I think it's pretty overwhelming when you talk about a Lou Williams and a Pat Beverly as the you know the 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 backside of the talent on a team it's it's amazing so last thing here before we get out. Okay. So we're both on the Lakers in the conference finals. I don't know if I am. Interesting. Who's going to beat them? You mean t- 
The Lakers to the conference finals. Oh, to the conference finals. Yeah, yes, yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, I thought you were saying okay. the Lakers to win so the So then just spitball with me for a second. The yeah. differences in the matchups between, I think we both agree that it's the Clippers or the Nuggets that would challenge them, and we both side the, the, the Clippers. Right. I got the Clippers. Right, but just think, just, just spitball with me for okay. a second because I think the Clippers against the Lakers, now you have a barrage of guys to throw at LeBron James. Mm-hmm. That's advantage Clippers. Mm-hmm. But you got nobody for Anthony Davis. Yeah, but again, who whoever has. True. I mean, true. This is the thing about AD, and this is not again. Maybe it's a knock. Maybe it's not. But you know, he's been to the playoffs two times. Just I once. Think. Just once. Just once. Okay. Great player. Huge numbers. What has it ever amounted to? Now it's a whole different deal. When he, <laughs> he's when, also like still only twenty five years old or twenty six well, years that, old. That's fine. But I'm just you know, I mean, he's still been in the league like six seven years. Yeah, I mean, maybe even more than that. He might even be in his eighth season. So because he came out when he's nineteen, you can be as old as you want to be, but talk to me about how many seasons of futility he's had. Is still one of the best players in the league. So his eighth season. We know how big a deal it is to be paired with LeBron James. Like that's just like there's just going to be huge production there. And and it's in a lot. I don't. I want to say it's indefensible. It's just uh, uh, like they're going to get theirs. The question is to what extent. Does, right. do, do, does theirs represent, you know, 80 points? Because if it does, the Lakers are rolling. If right. it represents, you know, 55, 60 points, you're in a great position to beat L.A., it seems to me. And, you know, the, 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 and, it, and it cuts both ways, too, right? Like, Anthony Davis, probably the best rim protector in the NBA, and he can get outside a little bit, Colbert's too. better. But, at the, but, like, but is, 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 are the Clippers trying to do that? Probably not. I mean, the, the perimeter game sort of neutralizes the, the defensive presence that AD brings because of the way they play. And that's why I think that the the projection of this Western Conference Finals, if it's the Lakers versus either of these two teams, or even the Lakers versus the Jazz, I think would be a fascinating moment in NBA history. Well, it because, couldn't be the Lakers versus the Jazz in the conference. Oh, right, finals. right, right, right. They right. would meet up in the second. Right, round. right, right. What I'm getting at, though, is that everybody knows what all of this means for the Lakers franchise because of the death of Kobe Bryant. Everybody knows what this means for LeBron James, but I think it's a little bit undersold so far what this could mean for Anthony Davis because mm-hmm. where he's at right now has exactly the narrative what you just said. Mm-hmm. And against either the Clippers or the Nuggets, the number one advantage the Lakers would have offensively is the pick and roll because they're going to double and trap LeBron James all day. They're going to throw the kitchen sink at him with all these elite defenders. It's going to come down to can Anthony Davis get rolling. And if he did, if he was to be the guy who was the catalyst for the Lakers to go to the NBA Finals, then not LeBron James. It could be immense for his legacy as a player. You know, I think that's a really good point because when you said that in my head, I, I was actually under going to underplay it and say, well, I, I don't think – Obviously, if they win a ring and Anthony Davis now is an NBA champion, that's significant, significant for anybody. But I was like, but how big is it? Because everybody knows that he's the number two, but he's only the number two if he's the number two. If he's actually the number one on the floor, everybody sees that. That's a whole different deal. If you outplayed LeBron James or if the if the scenario was such that it was on you to be the guy to get it done and then you go get it done. You know, that's that's big. Deal. But I don't think that's going to happen. This is why Anthony Davis, though, is the greatest teammate LeBron's ever had in terms of just complimenting LeBron, because LeBron James, as we know, is one of the best passers in the history of the league. When he was playing in Miami, he 
and even when he was playing in Cleveland, hardly ever were his passes going to his fellow superstar teammates. Mm. It was when he would isolate and then kick it to the Mike Millers and James Joneses and and you know Mike Williams of the world, not Dwayne Wade, because Dwayne Wade's not a spot up shooter. The reason the situation is so much different in L.A. is because LeBron can still play on the ball, and when he passes it, he can get an assist to his running mate, mm-hmm. and that's what makes him so dangerous. It's two tell Nuwana. It's one of two ninety ESPN Radio. Love it. Hope the NBA comes back, and you know, feeling a little better about it, frankly, than I was probably even two weeks ago. So we'll see where we where we go from here. Next, though, how about some Grizz football? Bo Braden. Defensive end. He's transferring to Montana from Washington State, where he was a walk-on. We'll talk to him about his path from Vancouver, Washington, to Pullman to Missoula next. At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping customers and communities connected online. In fact, we executed our own business continuity plan, quickly mobilizing to keep our communities online with the service and experience they need. You need to stay connected, too, and we can help. From home internet to remote workforce deployments, contact Blackfoot to learn how we can help you stay connected today and in the future. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. Welcome back to Tell Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. Also available on your World Wide Web, 102.9 ESPN.com. You can listen live all the time. The stream is available thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. We appreciate them very much for that. How about some Grizz football? How about some transfers? Specifically one. We go now to the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. We welcome in brand-new Montana Grizzly defensive end from Washington State University by way of Vancouver, Washington. Bo Braden joins us. Bo, thanks so much for being with us. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm I'm good. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, well, we're happy to have you on the show. We appreciate you joining us very much. And uh, I guess the obvious question first is what, what happened in, that, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, you go, okay, maybe Washington State isn't the place that I want to stay. I want to look somewhere else. How did Montana land on your radar and what ultimately got you into the program for the Grizzlies? Well, so I had visited Montana in high school and really loved it. Uh, eventually ended up going to Washington State up on a preferred walk-on. And I did, I did two years there and just really felt like I wasn't getting the opportunity. And I... I'm a football player. I love I love playing ball, and I, I miss being out there on game day and decided that uh, my time was up there and entered the transfer portal and got into contact with Coach Sachs, the defensive line coach, and he sold me. I mean, I, I, I had already known Montana was quite the program, and after getting in talks with him, I, I got real excited about it and knew it was the right spot, so... Bo, hey, Coulter Nuana is talking. Thanks so much for joining us. There's been quite a few guys from your neck of the woods at your hometown, Vancouver, Washington, that have come uh, this way and played for both Montana and Montana State over the years. Do you, do you have any connections on the team? Do you know any of the other guys from Vancouver, guys like Cole Grossman or, or any of those guys? Yeah, Cole's a, a rival from high school, actually, and we played uh, seven-on-seven Man, together. Man, I always hated um, Cole, you know? <laughs> Man, I got to tell you, never really did it for me. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's funny. Yeah, no, him and uh, Tyler Ganong, 
who uh, he went to Prairie High School before transferring. Uh, so we were uh, just friends locally there. But yeah, I know some some of the guys on the team already, and uh, had a friend from Washington State last year who transferred Mason Vineyard, who uh, just medically retired, but he had some good things to say. So. Bo Braden joining us, defensive end for now for the Montana Grizzlies, coming from Washington State. And, Bo, it's interesting. Uh, the high school you played, I think, was 2A uh, there in, uh, in the state of Washington. So to go yes, from sir. that to the Pac-12, what was that like, the jump in just the competition and the, the, the guys, the bodies that are out there on the football field, you know, in comparison to go from that level to, uh, to, to, to the Pac-12 coming out of high school? You know, it was a, it was a crazy jump at first because you – you go from playing two way football where it's 200 pound offensive linemen to right away. I'm, I'm the scout defensive end for Andre Dillard who went 22nd overall in the, the draft last year. And then when I got tired of him, I'd hop over to the other side and go against Dave Lucas. who will probably be a first rounder in next year's draft. So it was a uh, quite the shock, but you know, I was able to adjust and do well, at least uh, on the scout team, but it was, it was quite the shock. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because people, you know, talk about games and game experience and that kind of thing. But when you talk about just getting better to be a red shirt and then a freshman, you know, redshirt freshman last season, be on that scout team and go against guys like that. How how big a deal was that for you just in in terms of your improvement as a player? Oh, that was that was huge for my development. I mean, going up against guys like that is I mean, you you can't get it anywhere else. And so I'm I'm really grateful for the time I spent there and know that 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 should help me a lot for when i'm out there on saturdays in missoula but man it was it was crazy to be able to go up against guys like this and say yeah i I played against first rounders and guys who are starting in the nfl now so how much did you consider montana when you were coming out of high school i i loved it when i visited i just didn't end up getting the uh the offer out of high school so i i ended up going a different direction so but I, I, I really liked it, and probably if I gotten that scholarship offer then, I probably would have taken it. You mentioned Coach Sachs, uh, unbelievably high-energy coach, really fun to watch on the sidelines. But you're joining a group now that uh, is arguably one of the best young defensive lines in the league. Uh, has some fellow transfers in there. Got Joe Babros from North Carolina State and a couple other guys that came from the FBS ranks, but also a bunch of guys that cut their teeth as freshmen and sophomores last year that were really talented and really showed flashes. So what are your own personal aspirations for joining this group? What do you think of the potential of the group, and have you gotten a chance to meet any of the guys yet? Uh, I mean, with with everything going on right now, it's it's hard. I was really wanting to drive over, just, just take a trip by myself and – get out there and hopefully meet some of the guys but with everything going on it's it's hard to get out there i met um actually samori tori uh the receiver he he's a he's from portland and works out with uh one of my trainers from the gym so i got to meet him yesterday but uh, i haven't gotten to meet any of my uh my other d linemen over there but i'm really excited and I'm, i know we got a lot of potential i'm excited to contribute so Bo Braden joining us, defensive end for the Montana Grizzlies, transferring in. Uh, will be uh, a sophomore this forthcoming season. And when you talk about kind of the state affairs of, of affairs that we're in, you know, in not, uh, you know, not really traveling, the quarantining, and all that. So all this is virtual. Have you gotten 
an opportunity to get into the playbook at some level and talking with Coach Sachs or other, uh, you know, folks on, on the defensive side of the ball to get going in that respect? And then also just from a workout perspective, like what are you doing? How do you keep yourself ready to go and, and not just ready to go, but improving during this time? Yeah, great question. Um, that's, that's kind of a NCAA legality issue. So I think once I'm uh, – enrolled in school and then have those classes selected i'll be able to get in with uh meetings it look like but uh coach Sachs and i've been talking about uh getting that process started and getting me like officially in and okay uh, learning the playbook and everything and then um i've been with my trainers back here in vancouver and working out with uh them on tuesday thursdays socially distanced and then uh He'll send me over workouts to do every day, so I've been I've been doing that. But it has been uh, quite the change. But we're we're adjusting well. So when it comes to just the program in general, specifically the vision that that Bobby Houck has for the Montana Grizzlies as he enters his third season, what sort of things did the did the coaching staff in general, specifically Coach Houck, tell you just about the the future of this program and and what sort of things did you like about that? Because like you said, I mean Montana has an unbelievable legacy, particularly under Coach Houck. So what did you like about just the uh, the prestige of the program that you're joining? You know, RTD, Return to Dominance. I'm, I'm really excited to see where it's been going. I've been following the program for a while, and now to be a part of it, I can't wait to see where we take it. I, I think we got endless, endless potential here, and I, I think in the next couple of years we're playing for a national championship. So that – obviously very enticing there to get back on the field and play at a high level. Well, Bo, I'll tell you what, man, we were excited uh, for football, first and foremost, and excited to, to have uh, you on the show and, and coming to Missoula to play some football as well. So we appreciate your time here. We look forward to catching up with you again, uh, maybe on a, at a local level when you're uh, you know in the state with us here as well. It'll be great. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. Bo Braden. Defensive end. Well, he's six four two sixty seven. Is that what the, the specs were? Uh, think, Something like uh, that. I think that's about right. I yep. mean, that's a that's a formidable human on a defensive end right there. Well, it's so interesting too. And uh, there was a great question that you asked him about going against some of the top offensive linemen in the Pac twelve because you know although Washington State runs the air raid, they've had uh, a group of NFL caliber offensive linemen the last couple of years. I mean, mm-hmm. they had. You know the continent, the kid who was six nine, three seventy five. I mean, they've had some some big boys and some really good players. I mean, like he said, a first round draft pick two years ago, and a guy who's probably going to be a first round draft pick this next year as well. And so the thing about it for Bo Brayden is that when you take practice reps like that every single day, his first practice at Montana, he'll immediately be better without actually even improving from the last time he played football, mm-hmm. just because it won't be a, the number 22 overall pick in the mm-hmm. NFL draft. And so I think that's where you have a chance to make a jump. But I think it's also, like we talked about earlier this week on the show, I personally really like when you go get guys that are regional guys from regional schools to transfer in while they're still young because you can indoctrinate them indoctrinate them in the culture and then you can use your specific style of development. You got this piece of rock right and you can chisel him how you want to Mm -hmm. but he still has this top level experience already as well so um it seems to me that we've talked to a lot of these transfers now that are coming to montana 
And uh, it seems like they're doing a really good job with the vetting process in terms of getting great, good kids. Because, I mean, he seemed like a very smart kid with his head on his shoulders. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I look, look, appreciate him uh, joining us uh, uh, on the show here. And, you know, the more guys we can get to talk to, the better. Am I right about that? Hey, it's 2 Tell Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. Quick break. We'll round out the week with a couple things for you. Take a little look ahead. Give you an update on the Missoula Gives. I can tell you this. It's already been the most successful ever. Fantastic work by all of you. Next. At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping customers and communities connected online. In fact, we executed our own business continuity plan, quickly mobilizing to keep our communities online with the service and experience they need. You need to stay connected, too, and we can help. From home internet to remote workforce deployments, contact Blackfoot to learn how we can help you stay connected today and in the future. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. Hey, welcome to the weekend and all that stuff. Appreciate you being here with us. If you missed anything in the show today, you can check it out on the podcast, the Two Tell and Wanda's podcast, available wherever you get your podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. What's the name of that dance move that you're doing right there? Is I don't the, know, man. I'm is just the really, angry Viking. You know, the, the, you'd be shocked to know that I definitely was the most disruptive kid in class for uh, <laughs> until I was about sophomore in high school. And then I just uh, stopped speaking, just you know, out of rebellion. But is that why you don't pay any attention to Ryan? I, yeah, thank you, Tommy. See, That's this a is great what's question. so funny, man. We actually, I actually had a listener that was uh, that was inquiring about our uh, podcast earlier today, and I was mm. emailing back and forth. Did he and, listen to the Coin Dozer episode? He should. <laughs> and and he was saying the funniest part about your show is how if you watch it on TV, you don't ever pay attention to Ryan. I'm telling you guys, I know that there's this theory out there that you can't multitask. It's one of my only gifts. I listen to everything that you say. I'm just loading up my retort by researching information. <laughs> Your only what? gift is something exactly. science has proven to be fake. It, it exactly. <laughs> well, sums up my whole life. <laughs> I'm sorry, Colter, oh, but come on, bro. Oh, my goodness. Come on. You just don't listen to me. It's like we're in a relationship. ESPN Radio. By the way, uh, once again, this little nugget of gold and all the other ones you can hear anytime you'd like to on the podcast. The podcast is available wherever you get it. Detail and they want to search, rate, review, subscribe. Thank you. We uh, we appreciate all the folks who li- uh, listen to us on the podcast very much. The podcast available thanks to Blackfoot. Uh, Coulter, we, we announced this well, we, I mean, we announced it, but we, we, we helped, I think, announce this. People are aware of this. Missoula Gives, an annual event, 26 hours, just over a day of of giving to all the nonprofits in uh, in and around Missoula, Western Montana, missoulagives.org. And this is something that has become uh, an annual event, has gained sort of momentum over the years where you could go on there and we got to corporately get together. And, and uh, that's something that I think a lot of people in this town, in this area value are uh, all the different nonprofits that are doing all kinds of things from, you know, hunting, angling to outdoors, to the environment, to, you know, helping uh, students, kids, after school stuff, hunger, homelessness, all of those, you know, and many, many more myriads of other things uh, are available to be given to, obviously, at all times where this is, you know, the kind of big push. Last year, $425,000 was raised, which is, you know, just an outstanding amount when you talk about, you know, a, a day, Surely. basically, of, of giving. 
Well, with five hours left, this is from earlier this afternoon, it had already been surpassed by over $50,000. We this, this was actually from like seven hours earlier. Oh, something. yeah. This, this was like from 11 noon. o'clock this morning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, 487000 was the last update I received. I don't know where we're at right now, but first of all, to, to all who have participated in this, you know, good for you to be able to. Uh, what, what I like about this is that it, while it's a corporate act of, of, of you know, philanthropy and, and you know, kind of trying to do the right thing, also people get to find the thing that they, that, that you know, speaks to them, that they sure. believe in. And, and so that's a very cool thing. Seems like easily you know a half million dollars for the first time is what we'll get seven o'clock is when this when this ends so you still got an so hour and 15 gotta, minutes so missoula gives.org if you want to go on there 138 different it. nonprofits you yeah. can give to there also worth noting that it, missoula gives is certainly for nonprofits, but if listeners want to help businesses especially local small businesses you can also donate to the missoula downtown foundation and they'll then use that money to help local businesses as well. Missoula Downtown Foundation's spring campaign provides the opportunities to support downtown businesses and organizations that have been affected by the pandemic through the Missoula Downtown Business Support Fund. Yeah, yeah, it's very, uh, very good. The, the Downtown Association Missoula is, is pretty cool, man. They they have done, I oh, think, absolutely, a, one of the best parts about it. Great job of of maintaining a, a, a great sort of culture and feel and all that in uh, in our town and in that area certainly. Uh, Coulter, we have a couple more coaches that we're going to try and talk to over the next uh, uh, week or so uh, from the from the Big Sky Conference football coaches, including Ed McCaffrey and Troy Taylor. We're also excited to uh, have Travis DeCure, I believe. We're going to have Tra- Coach DeCure on next week as well. So number of more coaches here to uh, to get on and get with. No doubt. Travis DeCure next Tuesday. Uh, well, I guess we'll record with him and we'll present that to you next Wednesday part of our ESPN roundtable interview series. And I will finish up our big sky conference coaches series and also efforting and, uh, likely will attain mm-hmm. several other, uh, former Grizz, former Bobcats with either NFL ties or there were recent familiar names. I know I've been uh, playing a phone tag with guys like Josh Hill and Braden Conkle who were great seniors for the Cats this last year. Also got messages into Dante Olson and Dalton Sneed. So we'll see if those guys can make the rounds. But also talked to Colt Anderson recently, and, and he's happy to come on. So we'll have some Colt Anderson action. Mike Person is going to join us uh, within the next week or so. Fantastic. And then maybe Blaine McElmurray as well, former mm-hmm. all-time great Grizz safety who played in the 1995 National Championship team. Been uh, talking to him about some uh, various business things, but uh, also might be able to get him on the show here to talk about some memories as well. Very good. So all that stuff to look forward to. Uh, Colt, to round out the show today, the last thing I wanted to talk about was to circle back to what we talked about off the top to an extent, but but uh, to ask you a question. We were talking about quarterbacks, and we talked about Aaron Rodgers and sort of leadership and guys who are leaders or aren't leaders or the differing styles of leaders that there are and so on. And I guess twofold. The first statement is is just a statement. It's an opinion of mine. But I think leadership as such is just overrated when it comes to football teams in the following respect. See, Tommy is not paying attention. I am totally Listen. paying attention. I just I just <laughs> we got him. I was Wait, waiting. What? I was waiting for your your point. What's your punchline? Why is leadership not important? I just wanted I just wanted to play a little bit. But you uh, actually believe what you just said. No, no, leadership what I'm saying is leadership is overrated, okay? Okay. Insofar as that the quarterback or some guy has to come in and assume the responsibility of 
of that spot. Having leaders on a football team is crucial, okay? There's no, no question. question about that. And you got to have guys that bring guys in line, college level, professional level, all that kind of stuff, and show them the right way to go about doing it. We hear this all the time, learning how to be a pro and so on. And this is why, and this is a lot of times why I think that the, the stratification of salaries based on position is sometimes ridiculous mm. because think of a guy like Bobby Wagner. He is the highest paid inside linebacker in the league, but he still only makes – I mean, only, quote-unquote, only. But he still only makes $8 million a year. He's probably the eighth highest-played player on his own team or something, sixth highest-played, whatever it might be. He's one of the best inside linebackers in terms of skill set and production, no question, in the NFL. He's also undeniably one of the best leaders in the entire league. Yeah, yeah. I just think I would pay that guy the whole the whole farm the whole just, to, just to keep him around. But I guess the other thing, too, is, is what it means to be a leader. Like, you're going to go in here and, hey, guys, you know, this is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to get down. This is how we're going to practice and play ball and all of that. First of all, you you have to come in and work into that role anyway if you want to be it at all. But it doesn't have to be the quarterback at all. But the other thing is sometimes the quarterback assumes that it does have to be the quarterback. And if you're not that, and I'll give you two examples, I want to hear what you think. I think it goes really bad. Here's two guys, starters in the NFL, either current or have been starters, that it seems to me wanted to be – Yep. felt like they needed to be the leaders and tried to take on the leadership thing, but it was it sort of rang hollow. Your boy, Kirk Cousins, and your other boy before him, Case Keenum. Why would you ever do this to me when we only have four minutes left in the show? <laughs> I, was re- I, I, w- I did a 45-minute segment on the telephone with my brother today about this. <laughs> the telephone. Straight, the telephone. Straight up. Straight I've heard up. of this contraption. Straight up, though. Straight up, though. <laughs> What you're saying is so, 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 so accurate. The the culture that the Minnesota Vikings have developed, right. which is a defense-first, defense-only culture where we're going to take guys that are maybe misfits or guys that haven't fit in other places or guys that you know maybe have character issues right. or whatever, and we're going to have this defense where we're here, we're isolated, we're on the frozen tundra, even though we play inside, and it's us against the world. Our whole culture is about being savages, about hitting you hard and making you pay. And that's why a guy like Case Keenum is so much better for the Vikings than a guy like Kirk Cousins. Because Cousins, to me, I actually think that I think Kirk Cousins' leadership style is incredibly annoying. I would never, <laughs> ever in my life react to it. I would never want to be a guy but on that team. But I felt the but, same way about Keenum. But I think that Kirk Cousins could be okay in other franchises, it's not just that I like the Vikings. Objectively, Kirk Cousins is a horrific fit yeah. for what you want there. And then you factor in that you're paying him $65 million guaranteed. The only reason I'd say I'd take Case Keenum, because I agree with you, Mr. Electricity, right? he kind of rubs people a little bit wrong too. Well, it's not but he's getting paid one-tenth of yeah, the money. Yeah, yeah. And and let's let's be let's be frank. Case Keenum is not running off Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs is looking at Kirk Cousins saying, bro, shut your mouth. Yeah. And Kirk Cousins can't shut his mouth, and Stephon Diggs is out. Yeah, I mean, the, here's what happens with Kirk Cousins. Let's go back to Washington. The you like that becomes a meme. Exactly. Because people don't believe it. Like, like, we know that he's authentic in it, and he deserves some credit for it. But at the end of the day, you're going like, huh. But if Tom Brady did that, nobody would laugh at that. They'd go, wow, totally. okay, Tom Brady. And this but is that's why. that's because Tom Brady's been empowered by his franchise, by his front office, right. everybody, and he's just more authentic 
and his ability to win close games. If Kirk Cousins ever led a fourth quarter comeback in his entire life, right. then that stuff wouldn't be a joke, but he can't do it. But it just matters who you are. I mean, this is why Jason Kelsey can get up in a murmur costume exactly. and deliver in a speech in front of you know God and everybody where you know another guy gets up there and says like the same thing and is just as emotional and you go okay you know it just doesn't ring the same and that's not even uh uh you know it's not like a something that you develop or whatever it's just like hey this is the guy in this locker room who's got it who's worked his way into it this is a segment for next week for sure because (laughs) no for because honestly though what you're saying is so true man like bill simmons wrote an entire chapter in the book of basketball all about this exact thing we talk about genetic gifts versus honed skill all the time in sports. One of the most underrated, but one of the most important gifts that you can have is the alpha dog mentality. And that's where Michael Jordan is unprecedented. He is peerless Mm -hmm. in that. Mm -hmm. And I think that that, I mean, we talked about it when we were doing our favorite player segment, right? How does a guy like Nick Mangold become one of the household names on the New York Jets? Because he's just the dude. Everybody knows he's the dude. Yeah. Look at a guy like Calais Campbell. He has been the absolute alpha dog leader on teams that have Hall of Famers. I mean, he was the leader in Arizona over Larry Fitzgerald, over Patrick Peterson because of his personality, because of the gift that is being that alpha. And that's why Kirk Cousins is absolutely at the bottom of the freaking barrel when it comes to NFL quarterbacks. Those kicks cute. For the record, frozen. I'll never forget him being frozen in the pose in the end zone. All the teammates have unfrozen and walked to the sidelines, and he's still stuck there, doesn't realize he's the only one. That's what I'm talking about. On Minnesota. Boys and girls have a great weekend. Mine's off to a fabulous start. I feel much better than I did when I started this show. Hope you have a great Friday. We'll see you on Monday. Tito New on the ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.